Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Stu, if we haven't met before, and it is so good to have you with us. In a few moments, we're gonna gather to worship together, and we're gonna gather around this table, the table of the bread and the cup. So if you do need to run to your kitchen to grab some bread and some wine or some juice, please feel free to hit pause and to go and do that now. But before we get started, can I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We're continuing our series in Matthew's gospel as we journey with Jesus, as he proclaims and demonstrates the nearness of the kingdom of God. And as we open up the story of Jesus today, let's take a moment to open ourselves up to his spirit and to his voice, speaking right into the heart of our lives. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we welcome your voice. We welcome your presence. We welcome your leadership and your guidance in our lives. And as we open up your word, your story, Jesus, your very words spoken to your disciples, Jesus, today we open ourselves up fully to you. So would you speak to us? Would you lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So take a moment in your home, with your family, or by yourself, and can I really encourage you to read today's teaching text aloud. It's Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. Take a moment and read it for yourself, and then I'll call you back in just a few moments. So Jesus has been teaching a crowd that has been gathered in a home, a crowd made up of his disciples and a bunch of Pharisees and teachers of the religious law. And Jesus is in full flow whenever someone interrupts him. Jesus, 
your mum and your brothers, they're outside and they want to speak to you. We've got to be really careful that we don't wrongly assume who Jesus is. Like so often we kind of have this idea of what Jesus is like or how he would act in a given moment. Like sometimes we can slip into the way of thinking that Jesus is just some kind of like lovely Lisburn fella, right? Like you know Jesus, lovely guy, Christian fella, lovely man. And so whenever Jesus's folks show up, if we kind of have this understanding of what Jesus is like, we think he would be delighted to go and see his family, right? That's what lovely Northern Irish people do. He'd run outside, he'd invite them in, he'd embrace them, he'd introduce them all to his friends. But whenever Jesus is interrupted with his family being outside, he stops. And in verse 48, he asks a rhetorical question to the gathered crowd. Who is my mother and who are my brothers, Jesus asks. Instantly, you know something is up here. Jesus seems to be distancing himself from his family. And for our lovely Northern Irish mindsets, this seems quite jarring, doesn't it? But it's actually pretty on trend for Jesus, who through his teaching, through his conversation, and through his supernatural ministry, Jesus is always making a statement. He is always revealing a take on the world that is different from the conventional mindsets that surround him. And Jesus responds by saying, here are my mother and my brothers. That's not directed towards his biological family, which are outside of the room, but it's directed towards his disciples who are gathered around him. He goes on to say, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. It's all got really awkward, thanks Jesus. For some context, Family bonds were the most important social relationship at this time. Historians reckon that the one commandment that just permeated all of society at that time was the command to love your mother and your father and to honor them above all else. What's really interesting is that in this culture, sibling relationships in particular, they called for the highest degree of loyalty. Now, the form of relationship that our culture celebrates above all else is romantic relationships, right? But in Jesus' day, the highest social bond was found in family relationships. And yet, throughout his life and his ministry, we find Jesus subverting the overwhelming loyalty that people placed on their family bonds. Like in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus invites some disciples to follow after him, but one requests, Lord, let me first go and bury my own father. To which Jesus responds, no. Follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. And yet despite Jesus teaching and living in this way, we also do see him showing deep care and devotion to his family throughout his life, especially to Mary, his own mother. Like just as he's about to give up his final breath on the cross, his concern in that moment is for his mum. And so he invites John, the beloved, to care for Mary as if he were her own son. But despite this devotion to his own family, why does Jesus go after family so often in his teachings? Or let me put it like this, why does Jesus make this moment so flipping awkward? Well, he's mostly exposing the trait that so many of us have of making good things the ultimate authority, or as we like to talk about it here, the boss of our lives. We can get so deeply attached to someone or something, whether they are people, experiences, dreams, careers, possessions, power or wealth, we become so deeply attached to these things and the life that they offer us 
that we allow them to become bosses or lords of our lives. We allow these people or things to become the dominant voice that speaks into our lifestyle. And yet so often, even without realizing it, we can get bound up by the rules that these bosses set for us. We end up following them or pursuing that thing above anything else, even though they cannot hold the weight of being the boss of our lives. In the Christian tradition, we are talking about idols here. Tim Keller, he defines an idol like this. He says, an idol is any good thing that you make an ultimate thing or something besides Jesus Christ that we feel that we must have to be happy, something that is more important to our heart than God himself. Let me ask you, wherever you find yourself as you watch this, is Jesus the boss of your life right now? Or is there something else that you are craving? Something or someone that you think will make you happier than you are with him? Or is there a good thing that you have become so deeply attached to, so bound up by, that those things or those people are now setting the rules for living? Jesus goes after family often because he's teaching us that not even our closest family member should be the boss, the ultimate authority, or the Lord of your life. That place is set for Jesus and for Jesus alone. In this scene from Matthew 12, we've got the tension of two families. In verse 46, we read that Jesus' biological family, they are outside, but inside we have the disciples, the true family of Jesus, as he would say. And depending on your translation, in verse 49, it may say that Jesus kind of pointed to his disciples. But a better way to translate this verse is to say he stretched his hand over his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. What Matthew is trying to get at, and it's actually backed up in Mark's account of the same interaction. He's trying to say that the disciples would have been so close to Jesus, within arm's length of Jesus, they would have been gathered right around him, sitting at his feet. Jesus' biological family, they were outside, and they came to speak to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm here to speak to you. But inside, sat at his feet, the new family were listening to Jesus so close to him, hanging on every single word. They just loved being in his company. Jesus is showing us that his new, inclusive, diverse family is made up of a people, a people of practice, a people who do the will of the Father. Or another way to put it is obedience is thicker than blood. Henry Nouwen describes following Jesus like this. It's gonna appear on your screen. Whenever Jesus says, follow me, it is a call to let God enter into the center of our being. It is a willingness to let go of me and to gradually say, you, Lord, you are the one. It is a way of emptying, a way of leaving the self to create space for a whole new way of being that is of God. Whenever Jesus says, follow me to his disciples, he is saying, leave that place of the self. Leave mother, leave father, leave brother, leave sister, home, familiar possessions. Leave your me world and follow me. The emphasis is not on me anymore, but it is on the Lord. Following Jesus is focusing on the one who calls 
and gradually trusting that we can let go of our familiar world and something new will come. We will become new people. Jesus' family is made up of people who are not focused on their will, what they want to happen. The brothers and the sisters of Christ, they've emptied themselves. They've allowed Jesus to take hold at the center of their lives, the center of their hearts, and the center of their desire. Let me explain this, this idea of doing the will of the Father in three steps. Number one, God the Father, he has a will an intention for the world. And this is best summed up as the kingdom of heaven, the range of God's will being done here on earth, what he wants happening. Step two, Jesus comes to reveal the character and the will of God. He showed us what it looked like to do the will of the Father. And he did this by how he related to his Father, how he demonstrated the ways of his kingdom, and even by the very shape and rhythms of his own lifestyle. And number three, Jesus then invites people like you and me to participate in his will, to practice his teachings, to do the work of the kingdom. And we get to enter into this familiar friendship with Jesus. We get to become a family, co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ, people who participate in doing the Father's will. We are now a family made up of Jesus's true brothers and sisters whenever we do the stuff of the kingdom. In the room, Jesus stretches his hand over this inclusive community, a people who are close to him, who recognize his voice, a family bound by obedience as they put into practice the way of Jesus in their everyday, ordinary lives. But step outside the room with me for a moment, because Jesus is showing us here that there is a difference between those who are inside and who are outside. Matthew is really careful about how he writes this text. And he's wanting to make it really clear that it's possible to be associated with Jesus, but not be part of his true family. A family that is formed by grace, yes, but a family that is marked by obedience to the teachings of Jesus, a people who do what he does. Now we know from John's gospel that at this stage, Jesus's brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. In fact, from Mark's account of this interaction, they think he's gone bonkers and they're trying to stop him. But we would see pre-Pentecost from Acts chapter one, that the brothers of Jesus would be gathered in the room with the disciples. They're waiting for the spirit of their own brother to fill them, to empower them so they can go on to lead the Jerusalem church. But right now, they're not part of his family. They're simply associated with him. Think about it for a moment. Jesus's mother and brothers, like they knew Jesus. They raised him. They grew up with him. Jesus was a really big part of their lives. And family dynamics are interesting. You're maybe sitting with some of your family members right now, and you can just laugh at that, how interesting your dynamic is, particularly after all this lockdown. Families require investment, right? And yet so often we are preoccupied with other things that family kind of comes last, right? 
Like you know that whenever a family member is just always going to be there because you're family, you don't feel the same urgency to invest in that relationship. It's easy for that family member to kind of slip into the background. And so that family member can become quite estranged, right? They're always going to be there. So you know what? I'll see you at the next family gathering, bro. So often we're consumed with our lives and with other relationships that we lose sight of those who are closest to us. And speaking of the invitation to follow Jesus, Dallas Willard gives us a really helpful warning whenever he says these three words. Familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. Willard is warning us here that we can get so familiar with Jesus, so over-familiar with him, in fact, that we just begin to slack off in our investment in our relationship. We begin to lose sight of him. Jesus is always gonna be there, right? I know that I can go and speak to him whenever I want to. And so we kind of just let him slip off into the background. We end up kind of allowing a little bit of a distance to emerge. And over time, even without realizing it, we begin to see that our over-familiarity has led to unfamiliarity with Jesus. If Jesus is just a part of our lives, but we're not investing in our relationship every day, if we just think, you know, Jesus is there if I need him, I can go and speak to him whenever I need to, we can begin to find that Jesus becomes a little bit like a distant relative to us. True relationship, it cannot happen at a distance. Let me take this one step further. Because oftentimes over-familiarity with Jesus, it presents itself in two ways, boredom and distraction. Daniel Grothy, in his brilliant book, Chasing Wisdom, he unpacks what boredom and distraction look like with the life of Jesus. And he says this, it's gonna appear on your screen. We grew weary of doing the same old things that we have done for, say, the last two decades. We feel as if we've been there and done that with all of this Jesus stuff. And we wonder if this is all that there is. Our boredom, it causes us to forsake the routines that were a part of our holy formation. We put down our Bible. We stop going to church. We get distracted and turn away from the disciplines that got us where we are to see that there's something new and flashy out there. Like the believers in the church of Ephesus, many of us have left our first love and we've fallen away from the things that we did at first the fire of our love for Jesus that once burned bright and clean has turned into a pile of flickering embers. Please hear my heart right now. I don't ask this question to guilt you, only to bring some insight. And in fact, in just a few moments, I am going to proclaim some really good news over your life. But I've got to ask right now, does any of this resonate with you? Have you become so over-familiar with Jesus that you've got a bit bored, a bit distracted, you've fallen to the myth of self-sufficiency, of being the boss of your own life or letting somebody else take that position? Has Jesus become a little bit estranged to you? Let me put it like this. Especially in light of everything that we've been through through lockdown, where are you? Are you sat close at the feet of Jesus, living obediently to him, or have you, because of boredom or distraction or just pure unfamiliarity, allowed a social distance to develop between you and your first love? For so many of us, 
because we're from this weird little wonderful part of the world, so many of us like Mary and her sons, we have grown up with Jesus, right? He, the church, faith, spirituality, it has been such a regular feature of our lives for so long. So many of us have a history with Jesus, a wonderful history, and because of his faithful presence and our understanding of the goodness of grace, we know that he is with us in everything. But in growing up with him for so long, we are so in danger of becoming so familiar with him. We begin to lose sight of him. We begin to cause a distance to form between us. Like we can pigeonhole Jesus, right? We think that we've been there and we've done that. We've got this thing sussed. We've mastered Christianity. And we think that we're more mature in the faith than we actually are. And before we even know it, we realize that we're not as close as we once were. In fact, we're standing outside, spectating at a distance. The invitation of Jesus, it's not to stay outside. The invitation of Jesus is to come close join the family. And the family of Jesus is marked by two things, intimacy and practice. Firstly, intimacy. Jesus invites us to draw close to himself, to sit at his feet, to have constant contact with him, to abide with him, to rest in him, to recline like the disciples sat around the table of communion and to lean against his chest. Over 200 times in the Old Testament, God is described as being hesed. It's a Hebrew word that means devoted, faithful, loyal, the giver of unchanging love. And because of the hesed love of God, we have been brought close to him as we sit around the feet of Jesus. And yet hesed, it is also a quality that God desires from us. God says this through the prophet Hosea in Hosea 6, for I delight in hesed rather than sacrifice. We, as the followers of Jesus, are invited into an attachment love with him where he draws us close to him. And also we do our part in drawing close to him also by developing an intimate, loving union that takes place every single day. But this family, it's also marked by practice because the family of Jesus is marked by a people who do the work of the kingdom in real life and in real time, even with the complexity of COVID. Following Jesus means living our lives as he lived his. Empowered by his spirit, we get to do the same things that Jesus did. And our obedience to him and the way of his kingdom that is the marker of our love for Jesus. And the best thing about it, even as we're scattered this morning, I can't wait to gather with you on Tuesday and Wednesday in this space, but even as we're scattered right now, the best thing about being a practice people is that we get to do it together. Because the height of Christian community is found whenever the Jesus people are less interested in the shape of their individual lives and are way more interested in how they can champion and support and equip their brothers and sisters to go on and to do the will of the Father wherever they find themselves. That is maturity in community. So let me ask you, 
How will you do the Father's will this week? How will you do the things of the kingdom? But let me ask you a better question, actually. How can you encourage a brother or a sister to live in the ways of intimacy and practice this week? We talked about this last week. We feel as if the Spirit has led us into the wilderness for a little while longer. We're to camp out in the wilderness space for a little while. And for some of us, perhaps, we might even be beginning to see that we have become over-familiar with Jesus, that we have become a little bit distant. The wilderness, it's an exposing place. It unearths what's really going on. You can't really hide in the wilderness. And for maybe some of us, we're seeing that it has creeped up on us, but Jesus has become unfamiliar. We're actually just outside spectating that the shape of our life, it so often leaves Jesus and I just a little bit socially distant. But the wilderness, it's a place of shedding. It's a place of dying to self. It's a place of letting go. And we'll be able to do that in just a few moments. But the wilderness is also a place of simplicity. It's a place of revelation. And so let me be as clear as I possibly can. Brothers and sisters, Lagan Valley Vineyard, our place, our home, it is not outside, bored and distracted, spectating at a distance, over familiar with Jesus. Our home is here, close to him, sat at his feet, intimate with him every single day, open and obedient to his voice. Let's not allow ourselves to be distracted away from this space, the space of discipleship, the space of intimacy, the space of practice. May we build our homes there every single day. And once you get there, you realize that you can never get bored of it. If you're alive to it, you can't get distracted away from it. This is the space where we want to be every single day. Today, there is the invitation for all of us to draw close to Jesus, to hear his voice, to come inside, to come and abide with Jesus again, to hear his voice saying, come close to me again, brother and sister. I wanna close with one word. It's in verse 50. It's the word whoever. Whoever is a gospel word. It's a grace word. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoever. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what your week has looked like, regardless of the things that you've struggled with this week, or regardless if you've been outside, you've just been bored and distracted with Jesus, regardless of where you've been, whoever, come, come and sit. Come and sit at my feet, Jesus says. Come and abide with me. Experience a life of intimacy. Be the disciples and go and practice the way of the Father. Come and receive my Hesed love. Enter into the rhythms of this family once again. Go and do my will. And as we come, 
And as we sit at the feet of Jesus, leaning against him every single day, our hearts can't help but cry out, Jesus, your love, it is greater than life itself. I wanna be with you. I wanna follow you. You, Jesus, you are the center. You are everything. You are the ultimate. You are the Lord of my life. Friends, family, we belong at the feet of Jesus, a place of intimacy that leads us into practice. Or let me put it like this. This right here is where we belong. At this table, gathered around a meal, a meal that speaks of devotion, of love, and of presence, and the closeness of Jesus, a table that leads us into the way of life as we do the will of the Father from this moment on. So whoever you are, and regardless of whether you have been sat at the feet of Jesus, or regardless if you have been stood outside, spectating, distant, you're welcome to come and to abide with Jesus. So let's take a moment and let's gather around this table as we come to worship. If you're moving towards Jesus, you are welcome to share in our family meal today. And if you would like to say yes to Jesus, to make him the boss or the Lord of your life, we would love to pray with you this morning. There'll be a text number that's gonna appear at the end of our service. Just text the person that's, or the number that pops up and one of our team would love to pray with you and be able to direct you towards Jesus. But as we come to share bread and wine today, can I really encourage you, do this with your family. Even if your kids were involved with party people like half an hour ago, can I really encourage you just to bring them in as we come to worship and share bread and wine. We're gonna do this together as family. And the wonderful thing is that even though we may be scattered this morning, we get to gather around a common table, a common meal, and a common Lord that binds us together in love. So we're gonna do this together. But can I say this before we get going? For those of you who have done this a thousand times before, and it may feel over familiar, my prayer for you is not that you would even just hear what I've said. My prayer for you this morning is simply that you would encounter Jesus once again, and you would encounter him as you remember him and his love and experience his intimacy. Jesus loves to make himself known whenever we gather around his meal. So may you experience an undoing of familiarity today and may you feast on your first love. Let's gather around the meal. The Lord is with us and his spirit is here. Take a moment where you are, close your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths if it's helpful. Just center yourself in this moment and in this space. Be really open to the presence of Jesus, he who is with you and inviting you closer and closer and closer.
I'm going to invite us all to pray a prayer of confession, particularly for those of us who have felt distant. Can I invite you just to pray this with me? It's going to appear on your screen. Let's pray these words together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and in word and in deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. Now for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of God, amen. Brothers and sisters, I've got some good news to declare over your life today. The Father, has loved, Father of love has shown us mercy. He has forgiven our sins through Jesus Christ our Lord, who strengthened us in all goodness and by the power of his own spirit, guides us along the way everlasting. Amen. I'm gonna invite the band up as we come to worship. If you're with your family right now, part of the same household, can I invite you to take a couple of bits of bread? Just pick somebody who's gonna serve the whole family. Um, and as you serve your family the bread and the wine, I'm gonna walk us through this, but as you come to the point where you're gonna serve them bread and wine, I want you to take a moment to look them in the eye and to bless them. And whenever you hand them the bread, I want you to bless them with the grace of Jesus. And whenever you get around to sharing the juice or the wine, I want you to bless them with the peace of Jesus. Grace and peace is the most common blessing in the New Testament church. So look them in the eye. And you're not saying these things just to kind of be nice. You're saying them to, to declare prophetically over their lives that they would get to experience the grace and the peace of Jesus. And so as you hand them the bread, can I encourage you to say to them, may you experience the grace of Jesus. So let's take some bread together. On the very night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May each of you experience the grace of Jesus. And as we come to share in the cup together, can I invite you to share this with your family if you're wanting to do that and if you're able to. And as you share the wine or juice, can I invite you to look your loved ones in the eye and bless them by saying, may you experience the peace of Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he gave you thanks and he gave it to all of his disciples saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. May each of you 
experience the peace of Jesus. In these moments, before we come to worship, I would love for you in your home to take a moment to pray. And I'd love you to take a moment to pray out loud. And so if you are a mum or a dad and your kids are in the room, can I encourage one of you just to take a moment and to pray out loud. Pray out loud your thanksgiving to Jesus. Say thank you to him for what you've just received. If you're by yourself right now, can I encourage you to also just pray aloud your thanksgiving to Jesus and pray it out loud, pray it boldly, proclaim aloud how thankful and grateful you are. I'm gonna wait for a moment before I pray, so take this time right now, just dive straight in and pray aloud your thanksgiving to Jesus for his grace and for his peace. Go ahead and pray right now. Jesus, I join with the prayers of the saints, the prayers of my brothers and sisters in simply saying thank you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for peace. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that you invite us close to you. Thank you that we are your brothers and your sisters. We are co-heirs with you and we are co-laborers with you in the work of your kingdom. Jesus, we want to stay at your feet. We wanna stay obedient to you. We wanna stay open to you. We wanna stay as close as we possibly can. For you, you have the words of eternal life. You lead us on the way of life everlasting. We never want to leave your presence. And Jesus, we are so thankful that we can never leave, that we can never leave your presence. We can't escape from it. We can't flee from it. And so in these moments, we want to say aloud and sing aloud our gratitude and our thanksgiving. We worship you. We are so grateful for you. May we experience your intimacy. And Jesus, from this place of love, would you form us and shape us into a people who do the will of your Father. We look to you, Lord, full of love. Be glorified as we worship you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Wherever you are, can I invite you to stand? Can I invite you to change your posture? I know it might be weird in your home. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite you to sing out loud, even if your voice is awful whenever it comes to singing? Let's sing aloud our worship to Jesus. Let's declare how good he is. Jesus, the Lord of our lives, the lover of our souls.